from Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of e Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia. This is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. have long since been praised as one of the better run organizations in the NFL, one of the smarter organizations in the NFL. But as the franchise tag looms with their superstar quarterback and Lamar Jackson, what have I told you? Everything that's happened to this point and hasn't happened for Lamar is actually the Ravens' fault. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and your smart speakers. Just tell them to play ESPN Radio. He's Harry Douglas. I'm Jason Fitz. HD back in a cowboy hat. I don't know what we're doing, Harry. Harry's back going full rhinestone cowboy. Like, what, 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 what? what? Like, are you feeling, you're in Atlanta, not Texas. What? What's happening right now? Well, I'm feeling good. And, and not too long ago, I got stuck in Dallas, Texas, because of the snowstorm that they had down there. Uh, but I've always had love for Texas. Wait, you are you know? wearing like I, I, a bolo tie? Like one of those little skin, like, are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me move to the side so you can see. Uh, I mean, yeah, please. Yeah, the the world me? needs to Oh, my God. This is what yeah, we're doing right yeah. now. Yeah, this, this continues a trend where Harry, no matter what he wears. Like, I, yesterday, Harry put a cowboy hat on, and I decided he looked like he belonged in a Quentin Tarantino movie where he might, like, he's the, the Texas character that might kill you but also steal your girl. Now you look like an oil magnet that is still going to, like, come in and steal your girl. Like, either way, looks like, yeah, you're going to say yes. Yes, ma'am, you're going to tip the cap, and before you know it, bang, my girl is going home with Harry Douglas, and I got killed in the, in the movie. That's what happens. Harry's the, Harry's the star. I'm the first But you see, back. you my boy, though. See, okay. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't come nowhere near your girl. Like, you know what I'm saying? You my boy. I appreciate that. I wouldn't that. do that. Uh, unfortunately, I think the magnetic powers of Harry Douglas might just, it's like a tractor <laughs> beam. I walk in, and she's just like, who are you? Can you introduce me to him? Especially with that cowboy hat on. That's what's happening. All right. But like, let me tell you what I do, though. I'll tell her, hey, ma'am, you need to calm down just a tad bit, okay? <laughs> You know what I mean? You're here with your significant other. Let's not do that. Oh, man. And then I'll just sit in the corner and eat my lemon pepper wings. Okay, so, Harry, uh, obviously we're talking about Lamar a bunch. And today begins the window for franchise tagging. And it's interesting because everybody keeps talking about Lamar and can you pay a quarterback and can, win, can you win with the quarterback. But realistically, this isn't just about Lamar Jackson. This is about Joe Burrow. Like, you had a head start. If you're the Ravens, you had a head start against Cincinnati with a young quarterback that's an MVP that should be able to build around you, should be able to win a ton of games. And instead, while you were lollygagging around this whole process, not getting him the weapons he needs, Joe Burrow has turned around and caught up. And the Bengals look like they may actually be in a better spot moving forward than the Ravens. That's not Lamar Jackson's fault. That's Baltimore's fault. Yeah, 100%. And I'll say when it, when it comes to the Baltimore Ravens, we are so accustomed to them, you know, finding players and drafting players, bringing in players from free agency that fits their mold. And rightfully so. And they've done a great job of doing that. I think where they've been able to lack, where they were lacking in the past or recently, is being able to self-identify your football team and understanding that, yes, we have Lamar Jackson and we have this window of opportunity within his rookie contract, but we also needed to surround Lamar Jackson with a wide receiver or two, a dynamic playmaker, a true number one in order to get them over the hump and where they needed to be. And the proof is in the pudding for me because now I think recently this organization has self-identified and realized that because that's the only reason why, you know, them and uh, I'm trying to think the new offense coordinator they just brought in, Todd, um, Todd Munkin. Yep. That's why you bring in a guy like Todd Munkin because – 
he, you know he's going to be able to get the pass game up to speed. I spoke to people who know him very, very well, and that's one of the things, one of his strengths as an offensive coordinator, as an offensive mind. So I think the Baltimore Ravens understand that. The question lies, is it too late? Well, part of this conversation happens because if I asked you this question, Harry, and I, it's not going to take you any time to answer it, if you had to bank on one young quarterback in the AFC right now to mm-hmm. be the next to win the Super Bowl, what's your answer? Joe Burrow. Yeah, 100%. Hands down, no question. And, and when you look at the Cincinnati Bengals, they've done a phenomenal job not only drafting, but bringing in small pieces free agency-wise to complement their defense, to complement their offense and special teams. They've done a phenomenal job in doing that. And we've seen Joe Burrow within his first two years play for a Super Bowl and also contend for an AFC championship two full years because he's been in the league three years. But his first year he got had an ACL injury. Two full years of Joe Burrow – We've seen those two things, a Super Bowl appearance and also an AFC Championship game appearance. And he's the only quarterback of this young wave that we have that had Patrick Mahomes by the grips, that beat Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs. All these other guys, you you look at Justin Herbert, you look at Josh Allen, you look at Jalen Hurts now because he just recently lost to Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. These guys have not been able to take down Patrick, Patrick Mahomes in a playoff setting. So that's why I put Joe Burrow in that category at the top. Well, and part of this, look, if I had to bet Harry Douglas's whole estate, and, and you know, miss me with the, like, I got nothing to risk there. Like, if I lose this bet, then every day I come into work, Harry's living in a cardboard box, and he's yelling at me for betting his entire estate <laughs> on any quarterback in the AFC, the young ones, to turn around and win their first Super Bowl next. Any of these young guys, my answer, I'm right with you, is Joe Burrow. And so it speaks a little bit to the tortoise and the hare. Like, I, I grew up a big Warner Brothers fan, right? So, like, there was this bug. Bugs Bunny version of the tortoise and the hare where Bugs Bunny was like outrunning everybody and then the, the turtles going around super slow and you know and then you got Bugs Bunny outrunning everybody and the turtles going super slow. Well, eventually Bugs Bunny takes a nap. The problem here for the Ravens is that they were way ahead. They were Bugs Bunny. They had the opportunity because they had the guy. When you have the quarterback, you should be ahead of everybody. Now, not only are they in a situation that, where they're going to have to pay Lamar Jackson, which is just very real. They're in a situation where not only do they have to do that, they have to address the rest of their roster because while they were out there not taking advantage of their head start the tortoise back here the the you know the slow old turtle back here just drafted jamar and drafted t higgins and drafted joe burrow and all of a sudden then they've spent a bunch of money on the offensive line that what do you know turns out it worked and they got guys on the defensive side of the ball like the bengals did this slow and steady thing that all of a sudden wasn't slow and steady because they hit on every cylinder the bengals out footballed the ravens as an organization for long enough that now the ravens are back into a corner they gotta fight their way out of it and and i will say this i think what happened to the baltimore uh ravens organization is that they got comfortable they got caught being comfortable with lamar jackson and did not surround him with the talent because of the talent that he displays and the talent that he can make up for within a lot of guys on that roster but it came back and it backfired because they didn't get an opportunity to even play for an afc championship game Think about that now. You had this window of opportunity. You had an MVP quarterback, but you didn't even get an opportunity to play for a Super Bowl, better yet, an AFC championship. So they, they missed their window with, within being able to do those two things, make it to an AFC championship game, have a Super Bowl appearance while Lamar Jackson was on his rookie contract. Because this isn't just about who has the better quarterback. If I asked you right now, Harry Douglas, who has the better weapons for their quarterback in the AFC North? Is it the Bengals or is it the Ravens? What's the answer to that? 
Forget the AFC North. Let's talk about the entire NFL. I'm going with Joe Burrow, the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, that's what this comes down to. Like, there is, at some point, what did I say with Jalen Hurts last year? If you think you got the guy, you have a responsibility to surround him with talent so that you can see what he can do with the best around him. I I believe that for every single organization. The Ravens instead looked around and said, we got the guy, we're going to build around this thing, and then, you know, we'll just see what happens. And, and you know, that's a logic that get that got the Packers in they trouble. Got, with they got Aaron comfortable, Rogers. bro. They got comfortable with Lamar Jackson, what he was able to do on that football field, and, and, and the talent deficiencies that they had, he was able to make up for. They got comfortable, and sometimes the snake bites you. It bit the Baltimore Ravens, and now we're in the situation they're in right now. And think about this. Now they're crying about, well, it's tough to build a team if you have to pay your quarterback. Well, if you'd have done your damn job for the last several years, you wouldn't be in this predicament. So now all of a sudden, because you didn't do your job well in surrounding him with the weapons he needs to maximize the deal that he was on, you think he should take a less than market value contract simply because you didn't do your job? That that makes no sense to me. Sitting here now and saying, oh, well, I'm, I'm sorry, Mr. Jackson. I am for real. Like, you don't get to do that at this point with Lamar when you haven't given him the weapons that would have gave you the advantage all the way up to this point. And here's the question, though, because I remember I asked you just a few moments ago, is it too late for the Baltimore Ravens? And my answer to that is it depends on if Lamar Jackson is your quarterback moving forward or Lamar Jackson is on another team. Because if Lamar Jackson is your quarterback moving forward, then, of course, it's too late because you no longer have him. You no longer have that opportunity to contend for a Super Bowl with Lamar Jackson as your quarterback. Uh That's my answer to that. And all of this leads to one thing. There is one thing that the Cincinnati Bengals can do right now before we've even seen another minute of football on the field. There is one thing that the Bengals can and will do right now that's going to put Baltimore in even more of a pickle. I'll tell you what it is next, plus what the rest of the NFL should do to keep their quarterbacks and try and compete with these guys. We'll break it down for you. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Major, major question marks on this team going forward. And I would try to sign as long of a deal as he'll agree to because of his age, his character. Get it done ASAP. Jalen Hurst deserves at least $200 million. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Jalen Hurst deserves at least 200 million His leadership abilities as a young man are off the charts. I would try to sign as long of a deal as he'll agree to because of his age, his character. Get it done ASAP. He got farther than Deshaun Watson has ever gone. He's gotten farther than Lamar Jackson has ever gotten, plus the improvement, plus the leadership. I would love to escort Jeffrey Lurie to the bank for the Brinks truck <laughs> that they're going to pay this young man. Jalen Hurts is one of several quarterbacks that have the opportunity this summer to change the way we talk about quarterbacks forever. And I'm not a big guy that comes in and says, this is the summer of sweeping quarterback change. This is the summer of quarterback contract change. 
And it's not just Jalen Hurts. What if I told you there's somebody in the division that will absolutely change Lamar Jackson's life and he doesn't play for Baltimore? It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, and Harry. Look, at the end of the day, all I keep thinking about is market value. And I say this all the time. I got to say this so clearly to anybody that's about to tweet me. Uh, People are not property, and I never want anyone to take things the wrong way. I make the analogy oftentimes about property values for anyone that's ever bought real estate. So sometimes if you know that you're about to buy real estate and you start looking at like one of those apps like Zillow, you're looking, it it, it might be, you might be a year away from selling your house. You just want to see what the market is bearing. You just want to see what everybody else is getting paid. You want to see how it's working out. Jamison Hensley, the ESPN NFL Nation Ravens reporter, said this about the quarterback market this morning on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max and how specifically it impacts. Lamar. The Ravens and Lamar are going to be very interested if, let's just say, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts, what if they get deals done this offseason? If they get the fully guaranteed deal, I think that really further backs Lamar's stance of saying, look, the top quarterbacks are getting fully guaranteed deals. If they choose and follow kind of the likes of a Kyler Murray, don't do fully guaranteed deals, I think that really supports the Ravens' stance. So, Harry, hear me out. When you're in a division where Deshaun Watson already has guaranteed money on his contract and you're the Cincinnati Bengals and you know you've got your guy, there's no doubt. The first thing I would do if I own the Cincinnati Bengals is I would throw record-setting, fully guaranteed money at Joe Burrow, not just because it locks up my quarterback for the future, but also because it sends a message to Baltimore in my own division that you are either going to start this over or you're going to have to pay Lamar Jackson uncomfortable, fully guaranteed money. It pins my opponent in the corner. Yeah, also, you look at a guy like Joe Burrow, and he already stated within an interview that he feels like as long as he's the quarterback of the Cincinnati Bengals, the Super Bowl window is open for them, and they have an opportunity to win a Super Bowl. So uh, with that being said, if I'm the Cincinnati Bengals and if I'm their front office, Joe Burrow's the type of guy you give him that 10-year deal like you gave Patrick Mahomes, right? So now you can spread things out. But at the same time, Joe Burrow's going to be able to name his price and what he wants because of the success he's been able to have within his first three years as a starting quarterback for the Bengals. Let me ask you this. If I, if I'm, I'm allowing Harry Douglas, who, by the way, is a mogul. If you can't tell from the cowboy hat and the bolo tie, Harry Douglas is now an oil uh, entrepreneur also. So I, I come to Harry Douglas, who last week suddenly became the new owner of the Cincinnati Bengals. And I tell you, whatever Deshaun Watson got fully guaranteed, I'm Joe Burrow's agent. I want $1 more fully guaranteed. Would you have hesitation to doing that for Joe Burrow? No. And for Joe Burrow, I'll be honest. If they was to come to me and say they want $250 million guaranteed, Joe Burrow's going to get $250 million guaranteed. See, and this is where, to your point, if I'm willing to give Joe Burrow $250 million guaranteed, you want to tell me that Lamar isn't going to walk in and say, hello, Deshaun's fully guaranteed, Burrow's fully guaranteed, I'm going to be fully guaranteed, too. There's no way he's going to take a discount on the one thing that he needs the most. All players want the most, which is full guarantees, when two other quarterbacks in his division are riding around. And, and I with think full that's the men. biggest thing, though, Fitz, too. The, it, you t- we're talking about two guys in the same division, not two guys just on separate teams, but separate teams along with teams that you're going to be competing against. And we've already seen Lamar Jackson beat a Joe Burrow in a game head up. 
we've already seen Lamar Jackson do a lot of um, uh, remarkable things on the football field. We've seen Lamar Jackson win a uh, uh, MVP award. We've also seen Lamar Jackson lead at a very high level and be the face of the franchise. So I don't know what's holding Baltimore up. Yeah, well, and, and if I'm Lamar, I'm not going to walk this back. Like the, the the interesting thing, because there's a whole line of these quarterbacks right now. Obviously, uh, when you look at it, and there's a young, bunch of young quarterbacks that are out there trying to get paid, but there's a bunch of young quarterbacks that are also trying to win their first Super Bowl. We agree that Joe Burrow is in the in in, in a great situation to do that. Justin Herbert's going to get paid wild amounts of money, like because you're the, the again. You got to look at all the context of it. If you're the Chargers, you're not going to start over in the draft process when you're in L.A. and the one thing you can't do is suck. You're already mostly irrelevant in the conversation in that city. You cannot afford to lose the quarterback that you have that is not only great, but is also a billboard. So you're going to give Justin Herbert all the money he possibly needs because you need Justin Herbert, the quarterback, you need Justin Herbert, the sales pitch, you need Justin Herbert, the advertisements, you need Justin Herbert, the general interest. Like, Justin Herbert is not closer to to a Super Bowl than Lamar Jackson. So why would Lamar Jackson take a dime less fully guaranteed than Herbert does? And also, Justin Herbert, he did a lot of things as an individual um, success-wise within his first few years, but he didn't have the team success. He hasn't won a playoff game. He just got to the playoffs for the first time this year. But within that playoff game, they were up big, and he allowed Trevor Lawrence, who was the former number one overall draft pick, come back in that ball game and beat his team. So there's a lot of components, a lot of things that you can throw in there and mix it up and uh, add to the conversation. But for Lamar Jackson, I'm standing my ground, and I'm not and I'm not coming off it for anything. All right, Robin Charlotte wants to chime in. You guys can always chime in. Be part of our Wolfpack. Triple Eight, say ESPN, 888-729-3776 is how you get in on the fun. Rob, thanks for calling the show, man. What you got? Hey, gentlemen, appreciate you taking my call. Uh I got one question for you, and it's funny that I haven't heard a lot of people talk about this. Where's Harbaugh in all of this? Because what I want to know is Harbaugh, as decorated of a coach that he is, what identity does he want his team to have? You have a proven commodity in Lamar Jackson. This guy has the intangibles to win you a Super Bowl. And – you hear nothing from Harbaugh, whether it be to the organization, whether it be to the media, whether saying, listen, we want to move on from Lamar. I would much rather coach a pure pocket passer. Let's work the draft and get what we think is going to help the Baltimore Ravens or just say Lamar's our guy. Like he's proven he's an MVP player. I want him on this team. Give him his money and then let me do my job and win us the Super Bowl. I, I love the call, Rob. I, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. To me, Harry, it's all about, you know, uh, Michael Jr. always used to say to me, the sometimes the toughest thing to say is nothing at all, and it's usually the right thing. Like, if you're Harbaugh and you're not taking any side in this, you're not putting yourself in any sort of a situation. Like, if he comes out and says, we want to move on, he's just destroyed any trade value that he has. And then yes. what if they re-sign him? If he turns around and says, well, we want him no matter what, then the owner's going to be mad that he's given away their leverage in negotiation. To me, Harbaugh is actually showing he's a pretty smart CEO because he's not putting any skin in the game one way or the other so that whatever the organization the quarterback decides, he doesn't take any of that on him. Well, he's taking the smart route, and that's what he's supposed to do, sit back and let everything else play out because you don't want to say the wrong thing. And then next thing you know, like you just mentioned, Fitz, the trade value of Lamar Jackson goes down, not because of Lamar's and his abilities, but by something you open your mouth and said. I'll also say this about identity-wise. 
the Ravens can still be a run football team. That that that's Todd Munkin when he went to Georgia. It's not like Georgia just abandoned the run. They still ran the football. The pass game just got better, right? You had different concepts. You had a different offensive mind drawing up things and seeing what they can do from an offensive standpoint. Moving on with Lamar Jackson, that's the only thing. Like, you're still going to have your run game. You're still going to have your baseline of your offensive line, and that's going to be your identity. But when it comes to third and four and third and seven and third and eight, you're going to have a better sense of the pass game with Todd Munkin more so than they did with Greg Roman. Triple eight, say ESPN, 888-729-3776. We'll always take your calls on Lamar. We're going to keep that conversation going. Plus, throughout the show, we're going to break down which quarterback we think will win their first Super Bowl next. So you can chime in on that. Who do you think will win their first Super Bowl next? Triple eight, say ESPN, 888-729-3776. In the meantime, one team stands above the rest this week. We'll explain it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. There's different shades of the truth sometimes, right? Like, no, yeah. honey, I was just going there to get wings. Like, there's different shades of the truth. Maybe you were eating wings, but that might not have been the whole reason but, you were there. But who was that late? Who was that lady besides you eating wings as well? Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. That's Matt Berry on the call from ABC from a big win for the St. Louis Battlehawks in the XFL. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN and app, Sirius XM Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. This is a reminder, too. This show is going to cover a lot of XFL. You can see Harry on the sidelines. What game are you at this weekend? You're out in Vegas this weekend, right, Harry? Yeah, the D.C. Defenders versus the Vegas Vipers. Ooh, all right. You never want to miss. Out in Vegas, baby. Uh, you know what happens out there stays out there, too. Well, ex- well never mind. I won't, I won't quote the hangover right there. Could get me in trouble working for Disney. Also, uh, XFL, uh, XFL today will be coming at you Sunday. I'll be hanging out there again with the only student Studio show you can get uh, on the XFL from ESPN. So I'll be doing that. I think we're on Sunday night this week. So we'll tweet out all the details you need to watch it. But in the meantime, the XFL team of the week we decided was the St. Louis Battlehawks. And we are joined now by the head coach of the Battlehawks, Anthony Beck. Let's just start with the basics here. How you celebrate. Like, you, that's a big win for you guys. What did you do to sort of have a little fun afterwards? Yeah, no doubt. Appreciate you guys having me on. Harry, you got to get your schedule right, man. You got to get to St. Louis and get on those games, man. Don't don't be going after those other teams to, to cover <laughs> those guys. That's for sure. Hey, uh, you know what? Listen, it was incredible. You know, obviously, the, the you get in the moment of the game, you're dialed in and you're just trying to, you know, the the, the situations that popped up the last the minute and thirty seconds of that game were were really interesting. You know, kind of put you through a ringer of a lot of scenarios. Where whether it was, you know, originally it was. Hey, try to kick a field goal, stop the clock, get the ball back, and then it turned in. Oh, okay, let's push it down. We can drive, managing your timeout. So it was a really great experience for me, and it was a great team effort for my staff to just be on point and allowing those players to go out there and get it done. 
Uh, and, of course, those rules on how you can score and get the ball back, just it was a clinic, you know, for, from that standpoint, for everybody to kind of see how it can really change the complexity of the game. Well, the, the celebration was easy. Once I, once I knew I got into the, uh, into the locker room, then, you know, that's when the players take over. The, the boom box is going. You know, they threw me a pair of shades. We had some fun after throwing some water on top of me. Uh, but it was really special. My wife was there and uh, got to do it with her and share that experience. But, you know, it's Harry knows, man, it's hard to win football games and you expect not expecting or what you have uh, on your roster and how it looks on game day was a big question mark really for everybody in week one. So I was, I, I was glad to see the guys press through and uh, show their resilience in that football game, man, and, and pull that one out. And, Coach, we both have seen a lot of crazy ending to football games as well. But I got to ask you, your initial thoughts, when you were down 15-3 to three with a minute and 29 left, what were those going through your mind? Uh, well, I, I was saying, okay, well, look, we still got a chance here. We can score. We can get a field goal and then get the three-point conversion. We got a chance to get the fourth and 15. Of course, all those percentages are extremely low. But, you know, we plan for it. You know, we work on that stuff every day in practice. Uh, you know, that fourth and 15, we went over it several times a couple days prior. And, and we actually said as a staff, it's like, well, we're going to go over it scenario situational wise, but, you know, probably isn't going to come up that much, you know. But look, before you know it, it becomes a, a really something that became a poignant part of the game. But uh, it's just, you know, listen, we had a chance. Uh, you know, if we had timeouts left, um, you know, dictating on what we could do defensively and get a stop. We had to make plays, and, and you know how it is. You know, in a two-minute scenario, guys got to understand when to get out of bounds. Quarterbacks got to be smart. Guys got to be in the right spot. You know their defense has an advantage in tight quarters and fourth and 15s. So where are the holes? Where are the leaks? And you haven't really had any film to study on what you're going to get. So, you know, having a guy like A.J. to be able to run it, have a situation, be ready for the situation, get the ball where it needed to be. The offensive line did a great job at the end of really giving him time. And we have some guys now that have caught some balls at multiple levels that were in the right spots and made big plays. And you need all of that put together. So it's just unique experience. But again, I think if it happens in the first game, it's great because now you can believe you believe there's just a chance for you, even down 12 points, uh, you know, to come back and, and win a football game. We're talking to Anthony Beck, head coach of the XFL St. Louis battle Hawks, Fitz and Harry, Jason Fitz, Harry Douglas. So, Coach, I, I spent the fall hanging out with A.J. McCarron. He was my co-host in college football digital shows oh, that we did man. here at ESPN. I, I feel bad for you. I apologize for that. I mean, he's a handful <laughs> now. I'm just, uh, uh, but I do got to ask you because that means, you know, we all have a little bit of bias when we got friends that are playing, right? I think all of us on ES at ESPN were watching A.J., and uh, there was a struggle for the first three quarters. What was your message to A.J. going into the – because Twitter was not being kind to A.J. McCarron, and then all of a sudden he was a superstar. What was your message to A.J. going into the end of that game? I mean, listen, man, A.J. hasn't played a real game, you know, for four and a half years. I mean, you know, prepared, preparation, all that stuff. The guy's a gem. I mean, he's a great leader for us. He's bought in 1,000%. Uh, he is an, uh, his football IQ is high and more than any quarterback I've been around. Uh, but, you know, look, he's a confident player that went in there. But I knew personally, I was like, you know, this is a big deal. This is a situation, you know, being with new receivers. We've only had so many practices in a month to get – kind of get things down, what they would look like. In, you know, it's different in practice. You know, you know, Harry knows some of them guys on the border, on the edges there of making a team, they kind of go back to their bad habits. You know, the depths get weird and change and guys start doing things. So we didn't know what to expect 
And, uh, you know, the defense has an advantage the first week or two heading into those things. But we left a lot of stuff on the field. Uh, we had, you know, uh, enough mistakes that, that really prevented us from being successful. And I was expecting that. But, you know, of course you go into the game, you want success. You, you feel good about training camp. You feel good about the offense and all those things. But we've got a lot of moving pieces. The best thing about it is our defense kept us in the game. And at the end, when it mattered, guys were ready for the moment. And i got to give them a lot of credit because it was difficult trying to get something going. But, you know, with the tempo change, you know two men and Harry, sometimes that gives you a little life when that mm-hmm. tempo, you get up to the line of scrimmage. And we practice a lot of that. We just didn't really implement that in the game. And that ultimately caught fire. And AJ got in a rhythm. He had some time. And, again, you got to catch the football, be in the right spots. And the guys were conditioned and ready for that because, you know, not playing a four-quarter game for a long time, having those guys, you know, worrying about those guys getting through a full game and having the endurance to push through. I give them credit for that, too. So, uh, just all in all, the, the finish was great. We'll work on the start. It'll get better. But uh, A.J.'s been phenomenal, man. I'll tell you, he's, he's special. There's no – I don't know why he's in our league. I'm glad we got him. But uh, he's going to continue to make us better every single week. Last one, Coach, really quick before we let you go. Quick turnaround. You have a Thursday night game at Seattle. How are you preparing for that Thursday night game? Yeah, well, you have – hell, Harry, we've been in those situations. I mean, we we got to cut back the physicality. we got to cut back all the movement stuff, and it becomes high mental priority each and every minute of the day, you know, whether it's the meeting space or in the back of the hotel uh, doing walkthroughs on, on the parking lot back here. We go to the football field today. We're going to be in hats, sneakers, and it's amped up. Heavy plays, but we're jogging through everything. We have to get those corrections made from last game. You know, both teams don't have a lot of, uh, you know, days to really change a lot. Now, we carry a nice bulk of things on offense and defense to, to make things you know, we can do the same things, but we can change up formations. We like to move, shift. So we, we try to make it hard for the defense. That's a challenge now uh, going against that. We just have to worry about what we have to do and, and really control uh, what we can control. So we have to be better the way we functioned and the way we executed. I think that will improve in, in, the, in, in week two. So we're trying to stay ahead of it. You know, obviously you play games. Seattle was the last game of uh, of the weekend they had a late return back I mean there was a lot of distractions this week for both teams so we have to stay ahead of the curve on that end and make sure we're focused in we know that there's going to be disruption there's going to be short practices you're going to be short meeting space we're going to leave tomorrow all that stuff so we have to get better at what we've been working on for the last 50 days in training camp and utilize those to make sure that they look real good in week two coach tell your head trainer Elika Vila that's my boy. I call him That's my Easy guy. Money. <laughs> Easy Money. Hey, Jesse Ackerman. Were up? you with Jesse? Yeah. Yep. Jesse Ackerman's our strength coach as well. So, yeah, we do have a little Falcons connection. So, hey, man, if you want to put the pads back on, we'll give you a little tryout, man. You, you got to <laughs> run them routes, man. You, you, were, you were slinky out there, man. I'll tell you what. <laughs> coach, man, congratulations on the big win. Be sure to give AJ some grief. He told me if I wasn't a Battlehawks fan, he was going to come up here and kick my butt. But he also told me to send me a jersey. I don't have that. I don't have that AJ McCarron jersey yet. So uh, tell AJ we got beef. Uh, coach, congratulations on the big win, man. We appreciate you hanging out with us. Best of luck this week. I appreciate you guys covering everything, Harry. Congrats on your career, man. I look forward to seeing you guys soon.
Thanks, Coach. Anthony Beck, head coach of the XFL Seattle, uh, Seattle, St. Louis Battlehawks. Uh, by the way, if you haven't watched the 54th man, go watch it. Watching him speak in the 54th man, he's got that thing, that it thing that makes you want to walk, run through a wall. Anthony Beck absolutely has it, and he was absolutely in control of that game. All right, we're about to make Derek Carr's decision in free agency a lot easier for him. I think we've got to figure it out. We'll give you the special sauce to what he needs to factor next. ESPN Radio, Fitz and Harry, also on the ESPN. Well, I think he's going to end up back in Green Bay when it's all said and done. If I am the Jets, I'm not waiting to see if Carr is going to come to me. I'm going to go make the moves to try and get Aaron Rodgers. The number one spot I'm looking at right now, it's the Raiders. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Raiders released quarterback Derek Carr ahead of the deadline where $40 million of his contracts guaranteed. In 2021, Derek Carr midseason was an MVP candidate. I just love the beauty of him being a free and clear free agent. Yeah. Like the opportunity to be courted, to make a decision based on where you think you can win right away, but also get compensated. Now he'll get a chance to find a team that matches, but also wants him to be on that team. I think this is great for Derek Carr. Every day brings more questions about where Derek Carr is headed. But most of those questions have no answers. We at least have a philosophy, though, that might need to be considered if you're Derek Carr in your car's camp. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Where is Derek Carr going to land? Now, his brother, uh, who is on NFL Network, made it clear, uh, David Carr made it clear that this process could take a minute. You heard Christine Lisi reference that earlier in SportsCenter that he's going to take his time and he's going to weigh all of his options. Uh, you know, and that's uh, also, though, all of this is conjecture at this point. I can't say it loud enough, Harry. Like, it's but, not but, that- I, but I'm wondering, is, is Derek Carr telling his brother David Carr to say these things or is Dave, you know, David Carr just saying these things on his own? Uh, I think, I mean, it, Carr, Derek has gone on his nephew's podcast a bunch to talk about his career. Like, he, he lets his family speak his news for sure. So, like, David's always been pretty accurate when he's talked about Derek. So, it just feels like there is some some level of, yeah, he's using his brother. But, but I just, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering because I'm like, okay, so why, why can't Derek Carr just say this on his own? Is I, it a message being sent through his brother? It is a weird – it's a peculiarity when your brother works for the NFL Network. Maybe that's why uh, he does that. But you're right. Like, if Derek Carr really wanted to set the record straight, Derek Carr could go on the NFL Network, sit with his brother, and do a huge interview. He's made it clear he doesn't want to speak to anybody in this process. But uh, instead, you know, David speaks for him apparently. Now the question is, what would make a lot of sense? And we've been talking so much about the young quarterbacks in the AFC that are in line to get paid – I mean, to me, it would make a ton of sense to go to the NFC if you're Derek Carr. Like, you get out of the conference that where, frankly, you're going to be competing against Mahomes and you're going to be competing against Burrow. You get out of the conference with the boogeyman? Yeah. Mahomes is the boogeyman. Uh, Tell everybody else. I mean, <laughs> he certainly haunts me in my nightmares. Uh, I, there's no doubt about it. But that to that end, one team that I think a lot of people presumed was a good spot with the Carolina Panthers. Panthers head coach Frank Reich was asked at his press conference specifically about Derek Carr. This is what he said. We asked you about quarterbacks uh, a couple few weeks ago. Since that time, Derek Carr is available. Will you guys bring him in on a visit? 
you know, interesting question. You know, we're really literally sitting down with the guys today. For staff, first staff meeting will be tomorrow. But I've kind of met with guys individually saying, okay, here's what we're doing. First st step one, let's evaluate our roster. You know, so we're really just starting that process. So step two, evaluate the free agents. You know, we, they, everybody got their list, okay? Um, step three, now, you know, going to the college guys. So that process has literally begun. So really not ready to address the specifics of that because we're really just beginning. If you're the Panthers, though, don't you have to put a bit of a, I don't know, you have to press a little harder to get there faster when you know there's a quarterback on the market right now that could help you. Like, what you don't want to do is spend a week having meetings here and then come out of those meetings, come out of your four days in your dark retreat, and then be like, ah, what we really want now is Derek Carr. Sorry, he's the quarterback for the Jets. Should have called three days ago. Like, uh, the Panthers might need to accelerate this a little bit. Yeah, the things should be moving a lot more faster. And I understand that you have to put your staff together and you want everyone there in, in your meeting, but – uh, before everyone got there and you knew who you want to have be as your, uh, your offensive coordinator and everything as, as such, your coaching staff, there should have been talks about this because you just can't play. They're a team that needs a quarterback. <laughs> that's who we do know, whether it's through the draft, in which I think that's the route they're going to go, or whether it's through a, uh, with a quarterback free agent-wise. Derek Carr has hit the market early. you got to have these talks, Frank, right? You've been hired to be the Carolina Panthers head coach. So, yes, you should already be having those talk, talks with your, with your GM and along with your, with your owner. Well, and that should have been part of the hiring process conversation, too. What's your plan at quarterback? Like, that seems like, I don't know, I'm going to make you again the owner of any football team because you've got the cowboy hat and the bolo tie. Like, mm -hmm. it feels like if I'm coming in to interview, especially for the Panthers job, one of your first questions would be, what's the plan for the quarterback? And if I'm like, well, you know, we've got to get the staff together and talk about it, how am I getting that job? You're not getting it. So he, he had to have a plan. But here's the thing I will say, because we do know the history between Frank Reich and we also know the history of David Tepper when, when it has come to the veteran quarterback and trying to find somebody. That's why I think the Carolina Panthers, because of their history on both sides, the owner and the head coach, that they're going to get their quarterback within the draft. It makes sense if you love one of those quarterbacks. But, man – there's this mind – I said to Evan, our producer, this morning as, as I was coming in and we were talking a little about the draft. I think it's going to take epic collateral to move up in this draft. There are so many teams that are thirsty for quarterbacks. I think we are going to see massive collateral just to move up for quarterbacks that may or may not work. I think it's going to cost way more for the Panthers to move up in, in, in order to get one of these top three quarterbacks than anybody else thinks. So what I don't want the Panthers to do is sit around for you know a week and then figure out that what they really needed was – Anthony Richardson? Is that what they're stuck with? Like, I, I'm not saying Anthony Richardson's stuck with, but you know what I mean. Like, the, the quarterback. That wasn't situation, nice. That I, wasn't I, nice. Will Levis is another example. Like, if you love the kid, if you absolutely are in love with the kid, then go draft him. But if you get stuck with the kid, no matter who he is at quarterback, then you didn't do your job the right way. Speaking of urgency, coming up, why the Ravens don't seem to have any urgency when it comes to Lamar. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. 